So I give God thanks and praise for you all and for um, my friend Charlene Brown, who was in the space last week, and I'm very thankful for all of those in the community who have continued to hold um, one another and hold space for one another as we continue to be a grieving community. We are going to continue today with um, our relationship series, though, you know, I know when people think relationship, um, they automatically think about these kind of interpersonal relationships that we have with one another, and, and that is very true. Um, and yet, I have seen um, or felt a, a need to really expand how we understand relationship. And so today, we're going to be talking about how we understand our relationship to light. And particularly in um, these particular times, where things are so dark, right? So things, darkness creeps up in our personal life. It is in hovering in many ways in our country. It is hovering in our world as people are very polarized and at odds, as people are being overlooked and unseen, as people's humanities are being stripped away and ignored. There is a darkness that settles. And this is the time when we, in our lack of hope and our despair, are often tempted to hide our light. What good is it, right? What good will it do? Nothing. We'll just hide it. But I would like to propose to you all today as we talk about light, as we talk about what it is that we have to offer in this world, that it is in the darkest moments when we must shine our light the brightest. As a matter of fact, it is when our light can be seen the most. It is when the light is needed the most. And so we must not withhold our light. We must not withhold what it is that God has placed within us to offer to this world, even in the midst of heaviness and pain and darkness. So I'm going to read two passages of scripture. Um, for some of you, they may be familiar passages of scripture. The first will be our core passage and our um, second, though much longer in length, is a secondary passage, but one I think we must attend to at least briefly as we look at light. So if we turn to Matthew 5, it should appear on your screen, verses 14 through 16 reads as follows. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now let's turn to Matthew 25, also beginning at verse 14, as Jesus tells this parable about the kingdom of heaven, it reads as follows. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. And then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought another five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more besides them. 
His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever, even if this stand doesn't. I need some super glue. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Gracious God, we come week after week into spaces like this because we need them, because we need you. We need access to you, but we also need access to one another. But God, in this moment, what we need the most is the revelation of your word. And so God, no matter what it is that we're seeking in this moment, no matter what it is that we need, we pray by the power and the presence of your spirit that you will grant it right here, right now. Bring us fully present into this moment that we may be with you and with the word as you offer it, that it may feed our souls, that it may strengthen us, and that it may give us the courage to be your light in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. There are many reasons for hiding things, some good, some not so good. But the purpose is still the same. To hide is to keep things from being revealed. It is to conceal. My father passed away in 2012, and before his death, about a year before his death, he lost about 150 pounds. And in the subsequent months after he lost weight, my mother and father would find stashes of candy and food all over the house. And when we asked my daddy about this, he says, yeah, he says, you know, when I was struggling with my weight, I would hide food all over the place, but then I'd forget where I hid it. And it brought to mind this idea, this thought, you know, we grew up um, in church hearing, you know, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. And perhaps this is why, perhaps if we are so good at hiding things, that perhaps we become so good at it that we either forget where we hid it or we forgot that we had it all together. Either way, the outcome is the same. We don't have it. We've lost it. But why would we ever want to hide something that's good? And why would we ever want to hide something that can literally change the lives of other people? Well, in Matthew 25, we see that a man, Jesus tells a parable about a man who um, goes on this long journey and before he goes, he gives talents, which in this case are a part or a, um, it's money in essence. 
And he says, I will give to each of these servants um, a portion of money as they are responsible. So that what, how they have shown to be responsible in dealing with money or affairs before, that determines how much they will get in order to hold while I am away. To one he gives five, to another he gives two, and to another he gives one, bless his heart. An indication of his responsibility. And so of course, he goes away and we have heard the parable in, in reading, the one who um, has five is able to double that, the one who has two is able to double that, and the one who has one is afraid and he buries this money in the ground to await the return of his Lord. Now because the first two knew that they needed to get a return on the money, I have to surmise that they had had experience with this before. And I also have to surmise that since they were all servants in the same household, that the third person also had access to the same information but still chose to yield to fear. And so when this man returns from his journey and he is so excited because the one who has five now has 10 and the one who has two now has four. Oh, great job. And then he comes to the brother who just has one. And he says, I know that you like to reap where you don't sow. Who doesn't, right? I know that you're a hard man. He's saying, I'm scared. I was scared that I was going to lose it. And so I buried it, and here it is. But his Lord, of course, rebukes him and takes from him the one talent that he had been given and gave it to another. So there are two things in this passage that I think we need to attend to before we start to talk about light. When we talk about talent, so talent here is a sum of money, but Figuratively speaking, it extends to more than just money. So our talents in this is, is anything that we have stewardship over. It is our time, it is our talent or our gifts, it is our treasure, but it is also our temples. It is how we use what God has given to us. And in Matthew 5, Jesus describes these things as our light. It is what we have to offer in this world that can change, that can shift, that can serve, that can give. So when you take all of these things into account, the question becomes again for us, why would we want to hide it? Why bury it? Well, I think we have to deal with this passage first because we see two reasons given. There may be many others, but we're going to deal with just these two and then we're going to talk about light the rest of the time. All right. I promise you we are not going to be in church all day. Two things given in this passage. One, fear and laziness. So fear is usually something that we talk about when we talk about um, things that make us, you know, kind of hide or, or shirk back from, from what we should be doing. And perhaps the most common fear is the fear of failure. Fear of failure is often connected to loss. If you, if you are able to really think about the things that you're afraid of, the fear is I will fail and that failure is connected to loss. So if I you know, give a portion of my time, it won't be as good as something that somebody else does and it won't do any good and I could have used that time doing something else. I have now lost my time, right? If I give a portion of my money over here, then maybe I won't have enough to cover my bills and then me and my family, we suffer, I have lost. 
So fear of failure is often connected to a fear of loss of some way. And this is a very natural and normal thing. But what we see in this passage is by yielding to his fear, this one servant actually produced the very outcome he was trying to avoid. He did not want to lose the talent, but in the end he did anyway by not using it. But then we also see laziness show up. And I think that this is a really weird combination because we hear the man say, I didn't spend it because I was scared. But then the, the Lord comes back and he calls him lazy. Is there a correlation between fear and laziness? Well, laziness is not what we don't want to do. It's what we are unwilling to do. And the question becomes, could it be that in this moment, when we hide our gifts, when we hide our talents, when we hide these things that are our light, that it's really a manifestation or a representation of our unwillingness to risk fear and failure. Our unwillingness to risk fear and failure. But you see, Failure or avoiding failure is not the point at all. As a matter of fact, I would argue that what we often perceive as failure may be the very thing that people need to see in order to be convinced that what we got, they might want to find out about. Early Christians in, in um, early Christendom were being slaughtered for their faith and they refused to renounce Christ. And it was the fact that they refused to renounce Christ even though death in the eyes of many was seen as failure. That what made, that's what made a lot of people say, mm, what's going on with these people? Right? What's going on with these people? No, this is about being willing to shine our light, being willing to give what it is that we have even in the face or in the possibility that failure or what we perceive to be failure is possible. It is doing what is right despite that. And so yes, sometimes we hide our light because we are afraid of failure and sometimes we hide our light because we're not willing to risk that. But if we really spend some time with light today, we may discover that hiding our light is not just um, a sign that we are not being good stewards over what God has given us, but more than anything, it is also indicative of our relationship to our light, our relationship to how we understand what it is that God has given us to offer in this world. So let's look at light for just a minute. The first thing that I think is so intriguing about light that we need to know in having this really good, healthy, wholesome relationship with it is that there's nothing known in the world to be faster than the speed of light. Light is the fastest thing in existence to our knowledge. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. Y'all, that's 671 million miles per hour. There is nothing in existence known that is faster than the speed of light. So the question becomes, why is the world so dark? Well, perhaps the question should be, are all of God's people using their light? Light is fast. It's not slow. It moves swiftly and can be seen almost instantaneously. 
In early China, there was um, this man, an early philosopher in China by the name of Motsu, and he was um, known as the master of light. And believe it or not, he was considered, considered a military genius, but his goal was to go from city to city trying to talk to leaders about peaceful means to, in order to avoid war. He had this um, really high vision of ending poverty and of seeing equality happen for all people way back in the day. He would um, literally evaluate law and principles of spaces in order to see if they actually um, were for the good of all or for the betterment of the larger group and not just a small few. Well, with the rise of the Qin government, um, many of his works were burned. And many of his pupils actually lost their life trying to save those works. And yet, enough of his life has remained for us to include him in the history of our world from the fifth century. Y'all, light is fast, so fast that we really can't catch it. Do you know that there are stars that appear in our sky at night that actually died sometimes millions of years ago? But because they're so far away, their light has just now made it into the sight of our sky. What does this mean? It means that your light has the capacity to outlive you. It means that your light is so fast that if it doesn't want to be caught, it won't. And it will leave you and continue to just bless people as they see it while you go on about your business, doing whatever. Light is fast. The second thing we know about light is that it is our main means of perceiving and communicating within this world. It's our main means of perception. So if something is dark or not quite lighted fully, we know that we, it can impact how we see in a room, right? And it can also therefore impact how we communicate. So for example, when I was a little girl, I was afraid of the dark. So my mama put a nightlight in my room and my sister and I, when I was younger, shared a room. Well, my sister is four years older than me and it's hilarious. And she really got a kick out of my fear. And so I can remember one day, we, um, she knew that I had this play with shadows that was just very scary to me. And so she put a, um, a stuffed animal up on, the, up on the dresser because she knew that the shadow would hit just right off the nightlight, right? And I can remember waking up in the middle of the night as I often did, and I saw the shadow of that stuffed animal. It was a rabbit, I will never forget, because I was afraid. And it looked like something dark had come into this room to get me. And I just started yelling. So I perceived that there was danger, right? And then I communicated what? Fear and danger. So my mom comes running in, Donna, what is going on? I said, Mama, there's a shadow on my door. It's a monster, it's gonna get me. Right. I didn't say a monster, I probably said a demon because we had been talking about demons in church. <laughs> and she says, no, baby, it's not, it's not. She says, it is, it is. She was trying not to turn on the light because my sister was still asleep. But you know, in retrospect, I'm glad she turned on the light because she's the one that put that thing up there, right? She turns on the light and immediately I see that it's not a monster, it's not a demon, it's actually a rabbit. She says, no baby, it's just the way the light was hitting it. She says it was too dark for you to see. 
When we are living in darkness and in dark times, if we don't find ways to have access to the light through ourselves and through others, it will impact how we perceive the world and it will impact, therefore, how we communicate and what we do in this world. And let's not get it twisted, y'all. Darkness really can creep up in us really quick. When I was living in, in um, California, I was pregnant with my second child, Coltrane, at the time, and my daughter, Kayo, and I were at the grocery store. And anybody who knows anything about California, they're real big on pedestrian law, right? And so they want you to stop at crossroads. They want you to always yield to bicycles. They're really big on pedestrian law. Kayo and I were at the grocery store at the Safeway in San Leandro, California, where we lived, and we started across we were in the um, parking lot, so we started across the aisle of the parking lot to get to our car with our basket. As we were starting to cross, a car turned onto the lane where we were. I promise you, this woman looked me dead in the face. We're in the middle of the lane, already in the middle. She looked me dead in my face and she accelerated. My daughter and I had to jump out of the way while I was seven months pregnant in order to avoid being hit by her car. A man was witnessing this as my daughter looks up at me and she says, Mommy, what happened? Why didn't she stop? Right? Man looks at me. He says, Oh, man, she must have been on her cell phone. Those things are so distracting. I said, No, sir. That woman looked me dead in my face and accelerated. And he just pauses. He stops as if he wants to think of something to say. And he says, Well, let me help you get your groceries in the car. I cannot tell you how many times this black feminine body has been pushed aside, ignored, it's been invisible, right? Disregarded. Happens on a daily basis. But I can be honest with you, in that parking lot in California on that day, when not just my life, but my daughter and my unborn son's life was in danger, darkness, ooh, I was seeing red. Do you hear me? I was ready to hurt somebody because they put my babies in danger. But in a split moment, this man who did not know me from anybody, right? This man who did not try to explain away my anger, did not try to convince me that what I saw I didn't see, did not try to convince me that my experience really wasn't my experience in order to make himself feel better. This man simply did what was in his power to do. He says, I can't change what happened, but I can help you put your groceries in your car. And in that split moment, his light started to dispel and break up some darkness in me, just like that. In that moment, he was saying, but I see you. He was saying, but I value you, and I can't do much, but I can be with you right here, right now. Even the smallest rays of light, y'all, move fast and quickly. But in Matthew 5, Jesus doesn't just say, you are the light of the world. Jesus says that your light also needs to be joined with the light of others in order to light the entire world. He says, what? A city on a hill cannot be hid. You all, we might can hide one light. You can't hide a whole lot of lights, right? Have you ever seen a city on a hill? As a matter of fact, I have an image this is the image of a city from space. 
Now, if you've ever been in an airplane flying over a city at night, you can look down and you can see all the lights and you know what? You cannot see houses, you can't make out particularities, you can't make out people's faces, but because you see lights, you know what? There is life. You know in that moment there is life. Your light is designed to be joined with other lights so that we can illuminate this world. This is what has been happening with civil rights movements for centuries. Not just the ones that are happening now, but in India and in Russia, in South Africa, and throughout the Americas. Don't you know that we are together? Whole is more than the sum of our individual parts. You can ignore one voice fighting for justice. You can't ignore a million. And so what might it look like for us to use our light connected to the lights of others that move so swiftly in such a way that the community around us changes their perception in this world and therefore their interaction with it? Light is our main means and influencer for perceiving this world and interacting within it. But then there's something else. Light is also like sound, something that moves through waves. But sound, unlike light, needs something um, that is material. It needs a matter in order to bounce off of, in order to be heard, right? So something has to be present in order for sound to be heard, an item, air, right? Even though it moves through waves. That is not true for light. Light can be seen if someone's there to see it regardless of whether or not anything is there or not. So what is the main point of this metaphor? The main point of this metaphor is that your light can stand on its own. It is self-existent. Aesop has this, um, has this story where he talks about the boastful traveler and this man comes home after many travels around the world and he comes back and he says, yeah, you know, I'm all a hero and I'm great and I did all these things and once when I was in Rhodes, you know, I leapt further than any man has ever left in his life and um, there were many witnesses there and they can attest to what I did. And there was a bystander there and he says, my good man. He says, there's no need for witnesses. He says, just suppose this to be roads and leap for us. Moral of the story, one who does something well need not boast. Jesus says what? Let, just let, let your light shine. No need to verify it, no need to explain it, no need to, to make people see that it's great. Just let it be what it is. It stands, self-existent. It is what it is. You don't need to validate it. Yes, it should be joined with other lights, but it is not need, does not need other lights to serve purpose in and of itself. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, light is often known as the manifestation of the self-existence of God. Divine illumination to impart life through Christ. Literally, you all, this light within us that we offer to this world, what we give to others is particularly in such dark times. It is God's light. And you don't need to explain it or prove it. You just gotta let it be what it is. Which takes us to our final point as we end, as we began. 
which is that the main purpose of light is to illuminate. It is to reveal things that are hidden. Over the years, I've had several friends who have had an experience of someone, um, either a coworker or someone in their home, having um, really strange seasons and bouts with asthma or depression or headaches or um, other forms of breathing illness. And they went to the doctor and they did treatment after treatment and still the symptoms would return. Only to discover that either in their workplace or in their home, there was black mold. And what they found was that it was their body's response to it. Black mold, which could not be seen by the visible eye, right? But their response to this mold, along with their response to the treatment, is what pointed to the fact that maybe something was at work that we could not see. You all, there are forms of light that cannot be seen by our naked eye. There are explosions happening right now in the universe and in other universes that we can only see or access through certain other forms of light, like gamma ray. That if we were just looking, we could not see it. Y'all, this is big. And this is big because it means that there are certain forms of life that when we access them and use them in a particular way, they actually prove or point to the things that are tangible in this world and in existence that we cannot see. Your light literally proves the existence of God. A God that most people looking tangibly with their eyes, cannot see. We are saved by grace, yes, but two good works. It is the things that we do that reveal that we are serving a loving, just-filled, awesome God. And if that light dies, there is no, no indication whatsoever in this world that seems to be darkening sooner and sooner and quicker and quicker. And so the question for us becomes, if light is so fast, and if light can literally change the way we perceive and communicate in this world, and if light doesn't need anything else present to be what it is, and if light can literally point to our God who is self-existent, who is giving life constantly, why, why would we hide it? And what might it mean for the people just in this room to be determined that what God has given to me, I'm going to offer it. And I'm going to trust God with whatever happens after I offer it because it's going to surpass me anyway. And when I see the opportunity to join with my siblings in doing this and my light can join with theirs, I don't have to compare. I don't have to say, ooh, look at your light and look at my light. All we can say is just look at all the lights on the hill. And imagine how many people might be able to see. How many people might be able to see the glory of God in that and say, hmm. I want what y'all got. Let's light up the world, y'all. Let's light up the world. Let's bow for a quarter prayer.
God, you have made each of us brilliantly. Brilliance literally oozes out of every breath that we breathe. And God, whether or not we have accepted or embodied that brilliance in this moment does not matter because right now we are asking that you give it back to us in such a way that we might receive it. That you reveal it in a way that the ways in which we have experienced pain and hurt in this world has covered it up. Show us, almighty God, the places in which we are full of light that we have not been offering it. And so, God, we also ask that as we are in need of light from others, God, that you help us to learn this balance between giving and receiving. But that above all else, almighty God, that in the darkness of these times, in the darkness even of our personal lives, in the darkness, almighty God, of this nation and of this world, God, that we might shine. And that we might shine not to ignore the issues or not to say that we don't have to continue to fight systems that are corrupt, but God, that we might shine so that we don't lose our way. That our light might be so bright, God. The light that you have given us, the light that you have called us to use, the light that points to your glory. That others, God, might see it and say, I don't know what it is, but I just want to walk with you. I want to be where you are. God, allow this light to give us hope, but to also show others who are in despair and who see no way out that there is a way. Help them to see what they have not seen before, you. In the name of he who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.